Welcome to Picture Book Path, a podcast for picture book writers and illustrators with questions about self-publishing. I'm Aijun. And I'm Phil. We're two experienced image makers on a new journey to publish independent picture books. There's no real map and we don't know everything. But we're asking questions and traveling this path to find answers. Come Come explore explore with with us. Hey, Ijung. Hey, Phil. How are you? Good. How's it going this week? Uh, I'm good. Um, yeah, I just uh, I've been working through some um, emotional things about my book this past couple weeks. Um, I had a lot of doubts, honestly, uh, for yeah. a couple days um, about self-publishing and whether I could do it or whether it would be worth, I don't know, just, just everything I could doubt. I did, uh, my own abilities, everything. Um, but I kind of came through that. Um, and, uh, one, oh, were you, Yeah. How, yeah. how did you come through that? Like, okay. You, <laughs> these things are always laden with doubt, right? I think even if yeah. we go traditional, there Every time there's a rejection, there's doubt. Every time we turn something in before we hear back from it, there's the doubt. You know, yeah. um, so maybe the types of doubt we feel with the two different paths are particular to that path, but there's always going to be that doubt. That yeah, makes sense. there but will. There will. With <laughs> this, with your recent self-questioning, how did you get through <laughs> that? So the first thing was. And I'm sure I'll feel doubt throughout this process. And even doing this podcast, we'll learn from all these people, which is wonderful. But um, there's also that pressure to like, you know, how am I going to use this information? How am I going to make this successful? Um, so one of the the doubts was just that like, because we're, you know, I'm not doing the traditional publishing, I don't have, like we were talking about before, sort of those gatekeepers of, you know, this is, this passes. Now you can go on to the next step or whatever. And, um, I was having a lot of trouble with my perspective, the dreaded word. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you feel about perspective, but I thought I had like a grasp on it. And then I realized I was doing it intuitively and I was actually doing it kind of wrong. Um, but I've already painted. When you say perspective, (laughs) you, you don't mean your perspective internally you as a person you mean drawing perspective (laughs) that makes your drawing look three-dimensional on the page yes well i think it it's honestly it's both because i think (laughs) i just had major doubts in general but perspective my drawing itself you know and then also just can i do self-publishing right which i guess is sort of stupid because it's like right is what i want it to be you know right Right, is what what is my goal and my goal could just be like a few people say they loved it or, or a kid said they, they enjoyed it and inspired someone, you know? So I, I think like, I don't have to set a specific goal unless it works for me. So, yeah, well, I think it's important to know why you're doing this thing. What, yeah. what is your end goal with yeah. your book? Do you, have you decided yet have what I? you want? <laughs> how, how do you work towards a thing if you don't know what you're working towards? Yeah. I think that like, there's, um, private and public goals. Like my private goal is I just really want to do this for me. 
Yeah. I mean, um, and I have this story I really want to share and tell, and it's based on some of my experiences and I want it to inspire people. And that's kind of my biggest goal, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, and also just, I want to do it. I've been working on it. I just want to do it. And I'm, and I am, but, um, but I think like you were saying before, what, how do you get out of it? And one thing is that I, I actually started to just write these these like encouraging slogans and put them around my studio. I also watched Miss Potter, which is about Beatrix Potter. Have you seen mm. that movie? I have not yeah. seen it. Oh, you have not. Uh, it's really no. good um, because she she wrote The Tale of Peter Rabbit, which is super famous, and tons of other books. She self-published Peter Rabbit before um, it got traditionally published. I didn't know that. Yeah, she shopped it around, and then she decided to use her personal funds and just do a small run. So it, it actually it doesn't talk about that in the movie, but that's what happened. Um, and she even self-published her third book while she was being traditionally published because she thought that they were going to tell her to cut a bunch of stuff, <laughs> which they did want her to, but, but she just did it. She just did it. So one of my um, slogans is do it anyway. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, my other one is uh, create for joy. And then the other thing is uh, talking about the perspective drawing that I've been having trouble with. Um, I just started to research, you know, YouTube videos, tutorials, um, get some library books, look through my books I have. And it was really intimidating. And then I just was like, okay, this is just how you do it. You just, I just have to learn this and get a little better at it and apply it. And it actually made me realize that like, when you have a challenge and you actually objectively face it, you can level up your art. Like I could mm. become a better artist because I was faced with this challenge. So absolutely. And that made me feel better. So that's one of the things. Yes. Nice. <laughs> um, cool. So what about you? How's your um, book going? Uh, it's good. I'm still in the early phases of it. I um, started some character sketches and I'm still nice. not happy with my ending. So, of, your, of your written story. Of, of, yeah, of the story. So I will be fleshing that out and changing it quite a bit while I'm drawing thumbnails and designing my characters. There, there's the idea of your story ending being surprising yet. Okay, little, yeah. You know, <laughs> right? Like when you reach the end, it's like, oh, of course, this is where we have to end. But it's still a surprise. Yeah. And that's one that's of the things. Yeah. So I'm trying to find the way to make my story end that is surprising yet inevitable still. Oh, that's cool. Um, I have the main ideas, what's going on, you know, with the plot and all that kind of stuff. But who knows? With this yeah. process, it might completely change. Yeah. So, but that's also something that I'm open to as I continue to explore it. Yeah. Yeah. So are you going to like totally finalize your writing before you start sort of sketching out your scenes or just, are you going to do it all at the same time? Um, well, I'm going to try and finalize it while I'm doing thumbnails so that by okay. time I am doing my final drawings, the manuscript will be solid overall. Okay, cool. I might have to, you know, adjust word choice or sentence structure or that sort of thing, yeah. but I don't want to, once I'm doing the final drawings, I don't want to be having to change giant parts of the actual 
drawings yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I would prefer right. to do that kind of work in the thumbnail stage and the drafting stage, that sort of thing. Yes, that and that totally makes sense because no one wants to change a final drawing. I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because I didn't <laughs> <laughs> work through some other stuff. Um, and I've actually still been revising my writing as well, even though I've been thumbnailing, have the dummy, and have been doing some finals. So, which is probably not a way you should work, but <laughs> oh well. If it's is, working for you, right? Every I, book is different. Kind of. <laughs> 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 yeah. But yeah, no, that's cool. Um, do you feel good that you're you're starting it? My hands aren't fully in it quite yeah. yet, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's still like this little amorphous blob yeah. that <laughs> needs a lot of nurturing. Mm -hmm. um, that train is not barreling down the tracks yet. But it's arrived like, at the station, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm still laying the tracks. Yeah. So train oh. can leave. Okay. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, to really yeah. murder our metaphor here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, progress is being made, and I have some cute little sheep drawings and sheep. I don't think I've ever drawn a sheep. Basically, they are very draw cute. a cloud and put a head on it. Yeah, so anyone can draw a sheep. Yeah, and some yeah. legs. Sheep are one of the easiest. <laughs> yeah, a blobby body, kind of blobby head. Yeah. <laughs> so Ijun, you've been talking to printers right about your books you're doing all kinds of you're illustrating and revising some of your writing and doing your drawings but you're also already talking to printers is that right yeah so um a few months ago i did contact um my printer that i've been using to print my note cards that i sell Oh, and yeah. um, getting some quotes and actually got a quote from them for a soft cover with some additions because my book has some extra stuff involved just to sort of get a handle on about how much this might cost, like how many, how much do I have to print to get a better price? Um, because when you print more, the cost per piece is less. And this right. is for digital or offset printing of one run rather than like print on demand type thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so today's guest, wow, that's one of the reasons you want to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. He's like an expert in book design and book production. Um, that's what he does for a living is designing books. I'm really interested um, to hear what he has to say. His name is Larry that. Issa? Yes. So this is Larry Issa. Larry Issa is an award-winning author, publisher, and the founder and creative director of LMI Design based in Vienna, Virginia. Over the past 12 years, Issa has been creating design solutions for advertising agencies, large corporations, nonprofits, charity organizations, and startups based locally and internationally. Some of his clients include the Louvre Abu Dhabi, Save the Children, Northwestern University, and VCU Arts in Qatar. His debut illustrated storybook, Get Back in the Book, was inspired by his travels to magical spots around the world and a lifelong passion for art and literature. Get Back in the Book is the first of many children's picture books Larry plans to write and design. Excellent. Let's get Larry in here. <laughs> hey, Larry. Larry, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I have your book, which is amazing. <laughs> it's so pretty. Thanks. I'm just going to describe it a little. Um, it's called Get Back in the Book, written by Larry Issa and illustrated by Emma Chadwick. Your book is just, it has this really nice matte paper. The illustrations are amazing. 
um, obviously, you know, the design. You have these like illustrated end papers mm -hmm. and you even have like a flap on the uh, the fly leaf that opens that that introduces um, does a little bio of you and your illustrator. It's just like it's a beautiful book. So I was wondering if you could introduce the story and the inspiration behind it. Sure. Um, so this is my debut book, actually. I'm actually a graphic designer and I design mostly for the corporate world. But I do design a lot of books for museums and other, other sort of entities. Um, but I've always loved picture books. I mean, I grew up adoring them and collecting them. And I was like, well, you know what? I know how to design and produce books, so I think it's time to put up my own book. So after many, many years of just contemplating and thinking about it. So um, my first, first, first story, Get Back in the Book, actually, um, the idea just came to me while I was waiting for a friend. And I'm not kidding. Out of nowhere, this idea just popped into my head. It's like, oh, these, you know, these characters escape from a book because books are boring and they want to run away. So um, I didn't want to forget. So I just kind of typed it up on my phone and I emailed it to myself. And um, yeah, there we go. And then next day I looked at the story. I'm like, actually, that's a good story. I really want this to be my first one. And from the point of that first conception in that restaurant to the points where it came out, how long was that process for you? So the actual process was one year from start to okay. finish, which actually isn't that um it was it was done pretty quickly yeah that's um, short it did take yeah it took me a year just to get it out there and um the longest process was illustration what made you decide to self-publish as opposed to uh seeking a traditional route yeah to be honest it's a great question as a graphic designer i mean i work for myself i don't have like a creative space but i always thought like you know having like a little agency a boutique agency with you know a whole bunch of people working together would that's what my dream job but I realized actually my dream job is maybe like indie publishing house. <laughs> so just for thinking of getting this book done, um, I really wanted full control um, as a creative myself. When you approach um, a traditional publisher, actually most of the authors don't even get a say in who the illustrator they want to work with is, or you know they don't even get to um, you know maybe make any changes. They're like here's a story, it's approved, it goes to the illustrator, and then sometimes the authors just see the final result. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me as a creative, it was super important to get everything right because I truly believe the typography is really just as important as the story itself. And I wanted that full control to make it, you know, as beautiful as I can without having to, you know, beg for it or saying, please, can we spend more money on paper, on money on paper? So yeah. Uh, indie publishing was the way to go for me. The actual look of your book is just like, it's very high quality. Um, it even has like the title get back in the book is debossed and it has a gold foil stamping on it. Um, it. It just looks like a book you would just see at a bookstore. So I was wondering, um, because this is your profession, you're, you specialize in book design. That's correct. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I do all print design. I don't do any digital, just prints, but I also do mostly books. So could you walk us through... Uh, the process of book design, sort of like the, you know, the main, the main things to look out for, maybe some of the pitfalls that self-publishers make or, you know, because you have self-publishers come to you and, and ask for your help as well. So you could just walk us through a little bit. Sure. Actually, one of the main things as well when you're conceptualizing a book is the size. I mean, you know, people <laughs> just think, oh, it's a picture book, so it's going to be this size. Well, no, it, when you go to the printer, it can be any size you want it to be. And size is a key. I mean, I love, my book is square shaped and it's slightly larger. It's about 10 and a half by 10 and a half. And I love the square format because when it opens up to a double page spread, you really, there's so much space to capture the illustration. So yeah. um, size is super important. And that's one thing that a lot of authors don't think about. 
And it's the one question I ask them, do you have a size in mind? They all say, oh, I, I never thought about that. Is it, is it your book size? I'm like, it could be any size you want it to be, which is really cool, right? You can make it as big as you want to, as small as you want to. I mean, it goes with your concept. Um, and then really from there, it's pagination is the next most important because a lot of people don't realize that the book has to be divisible by eight or, or four. So it depends which printing press you're working with. Some will accept divisible by four, but mostly it's divisible by eight. So 32 pages to 40 pages is about your norm. And then you really have to think about you know, pagining out your book. So you have enough pages in the front for your front matter, which is your half title page and your full title page. And just to make sure there's enough pages in there to allow the, the story to flow properly. And then once you're done with the book and you know, the layout and everything else, and then we go into layout, um, it really is production and specs. So when you're deciding um, 32 versus 40, that kind of pagination, what kind of or what thought process goes into making that decision? That's a great question as well. Um, a lot of time it's the, um, decided by uh, your budget. So obviously the longer the book, the more pages, the more expensive it's going to be, especially new authors. So they're like, okay, my book's 40 pages, but then once we look at the story and we get an editor on you know, the book, then it's really, you know, it usually ends up being around 32 pages. So it's, it's one of those things where you think your book is 40, 45 pages, but really the perfect book should just be 32 and we can cut out and eliminate a bunch of um, the text so it's, it fits properly in a 32 page book. So um, the editors also have a massive role in kind of deciding the page number. And that's what we do as indie publishers to kind of um, work with authors to get their story perfect before moving into design and production. So yeah, you, you've actually um, had success with your book. So you've decided to expand this into your own small indie publishers. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, I work with a lot of publishers through my, for my job and I talked to many of them before like, this is the way, you know, I kind of want to do this. And a lot of them said, don't do it. It's just not worth it. Or you're going to fail. Or, don't be crazy. Or don't put more than 500. Like all these things were going, you know, and it's true that a lot of publishing houses are printing smaller quantities now. They're not printing the big, you know, the 10, 20, 30,000 books they used to print in the past. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of doubt that went into my mind. Um, but yeah, just through, I, I kind of honed in on the people that I love working with and said, hey guys, this is what I want to do and I want you to be part of it. And so we kind of, we grouped together, we collaborated. I actually worked with two editors, um, Carl oh. Bailey and Claire Glasby. Carl's based in Scotland. And Claire is based in France. Wow. Um, yeah. So um, I, I just highly trust their work and I know they're phenomenal. And they really did an amazing job at just kind of revising the story and just making it as best as it can be. Because although this is my first book, again, I'm a designer and that's, that's kind of, I see myself as an author as kind of composing a book more than writing every single word in the picture book, if that makes sense. Okay. I mean, for me personally, I love the illustration, the design part more than the writing. <laughs> I think a lot of people find that funny, but that's just the way it works. I'm, I'm a very visual person. I actually yeah. think pictures. So the editors really helped me, you know, home in on the right words and the kind of pace of the book. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions about self-publishing. And I think the word self itself is very misguiding. Because it really is, I mean, yes, you're kind of doing it, it's self-published, but you have to use a team to get it done. I mean, the right team as well. You know, it makes right. a difference. Yeah. So you're, you're recognizing where your skills are. You're saying, I'm great at design. Um, I'm going to pull in some experts to help me with these other parts that maybe you, isn't your, the strongest part of your skill set. 
Absolutely. I mean, I myself, I'm an artist, so I write, I draw, I paint, but I don't consider myself an illustrator yet. And especially for my first book, I did, I was just way too nervous to kind of illustrate my first book. I, it's, it's something I'm hoping I can do in the future, um, kind of, you know, figure out my style and illustrate my own stories. But um, I really wanted to work with a new illustrator as well. Just being like an indie publisher, like a first time book, a first time author, I thought, how amazing would it be to kind of team up with like a new illustrator? Yeah. yeah. And so did you end up acting as like the art director for uh, Emma? Yep, because, that's right. Yeah, so, so you were kind of directing everything that you wanted so I was for your book. Her. Yeah, and I asked her up front. I'm like, listen, I have a visual. Uh, I mean, I, I, I visualized this book in my head. Would you like um, guidance? Or would you kind of want to do your own thing and then have me come in? And she preferred like guidance. So I just huh. said, okay, on this page, there's this character and this is what they're doing on this. And then, so each page had the text placed and then under a little description on the scene. We talked about the colors. We talked about each character. What, I mean, from details, like their haircut. So it was like <laughs> color, eye color. Like we, we, I kind of had everything down, written down yeah. for her. And Emma was just phenomenal at bringing it to life. Like when I saw her illustrations, Really, I mean, the first time she sent an illustration, I was so nervous. I didn't open the email for like three days. Like, I was so scared. I'm like, I don't know. I can't look at this. And I saw and I was blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Wow. He honestly read my mind. It was like everything she did was like exactly what I was thinking. It was so weird. I mean, it just felt magical. <laughs> In, in Larry's book, this boy is writing a story and these characters come to life. And one part I really like in the illustration, they come to life in his backpack and then one of them sticks a pencil in the backpack zipper to open up the zipper. And I was like, that's such a great detail. Um, was that her or you? Or? I think the pencil was mine. I don't, but Emma really put a lot of details in there. One of the things she did yeah. to the door is that she decided uh, in Danny's bedroom on his bookshelf, um, she actually created an item that relates to each character that comes to life. Oh my gosh. Which is such a good idea. I mean, I didn't think about that. So look at his bookshelf and why do you think there's like a stuffed dinosaur there, T-Rex? <laughs> it relates to the character. So then it makes just the concept of the story stronger, right? So then these characters are inspired by things that Danny grew up with and things on his bookshelf. They didn't just come from his imagination randomly. Yeah. Right? So it makes him more sen a better sense of belonging. And that was Emma. And she put in so many details in there that like just totally blew my mind away. Wow. This collaboration was really successful then. Like you worked It, it really was. I, I, I honestly can have, it can have been a better pairing. I think in my mind, I was just so fortunate. I actually met Emma on Instagram because she's British. She lives in the UK. And I was doing a lot of research and just kind of tagging, um, saving pictures that I like of different illustrators. And her, her style was exactly what I was looking for. Like super detailed, yet somewhat whimsical and fun with mm. a lot of movement. You said the longest part of the one-year process was working with your illustrator. How long did it take from when you contacted her to when her work was finished? It took her about um, just under nine months to get all the illustrations. Okay. I wanted to be perfect. I was like, take your time. Just yeah. you know, make it the best you can do. And it's really funny because when I, I actually met Emma um, a, um, a few months after we, the book launched. I went to the UK. I had a little reading over there. Oh, wow. And it was really fun because I'd known her for over a year and never seen her, her talk. You know, we had one. Yeah. We actually had one initial um, Skype call for like 20 minutes and everything else was through emails and WhatsApp <laughs> to like back and forth. That's it. Wow. So it was fun to meet her. And when she was, we had a school reading together, she's like, oh, there's stuff on that page I would change. I'm like, uh, no, it's perfect. 
<laughs> as an illustrator, you know, as, as a creative, any creative, you're always kind of revisiting your work and, and just thinking about how you can improve it. Well, the person looking at it thinks it's just perfect. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's for sure. That's so true. If, and if you're a perfectionist, like all, all three of us probably are to some extent. <laughs> Look, it's um, a good thing, right? Because then you kind of make your product the best you can. And yeah. I've noticed that a lot of people are really responding well to it, which I'm so happy about. Awesome. That's great. I read somewhere, and I don't know if this has changed, but um, you sold at least 1,500 books in your first year. Is that true? Or like how many, do you know how many books now today? True. Yeah. Um, so we actually, I mean, the goal, I had no idea what to expect initially because first of all, as a book creator, I was just thinking about creating the book and that's it. I didn't have, I didn't think about sales or marketing or anything of the sort afterwards. I just thought, let's get the book done. And then when it gets here, you know, I'll figure out the rest. Oh, so you didn't think about that until you, you just focused on creating it and then you thought about everything else afterwards? Yeah, I had no idea what to do when they got it. Like literally. <laughs> I, um, so a good friend of mine, Joe Gemaldinian, who I met um, prior, like a year and a half to kind of before my book was launched. Actually, I met him. He's a local. He's based in Fairfax. And we kind of egged each other on to get our books done. So I helped him design and produce his book. Um, and we got it printed at the same time and shipped at the same time to save on costs as well. Oh, yeah. And it actually worked out for the both of us. We did one, uh, like a food festival. Um, we just decided it was very local. It's like five minutes from my house. I'm like, let's show up there and see what happens. And we sold like 80 books in a few hours, like at one day. Wow. We're like, wow, that was pretty good. I at mean, a book festival, you said? No, it was uh, like a, it was a food festival. A food festival? Yeah, at a church. A church <laughs> it was like a church food festival, like a fundraiser for the church. And we said, oh, oh, wow. hey, that was good. So then we're like, um, and I had done a few school readings for that. So not too many because I was, I was tra- last year I was traveling a lot uh, for work. So I really wasn't here that much. I was here for a few weeks when the books arrived. And we had a few small events, like just for family and friends. Um, I'm not big on social media as well. I'm trying to get better at Instagram. But it's... Um, <laughs> It's like, well, how do we get the word out? Well, we we're just telling family and friends, and they were our biggest supporters at the beginning. But okay, how many copies can they actually buy, right? Right. <laughs> um, and then we started doing schools, and we found like the first school I went to, I was there. We actually, I was an artist in resident, so I was there for five days. I did all the grades, and it was perfect for me because it was just, it was more like training. Um, I'd never done an author visit or a school reading. <laughs> And end up selling 100 books in like five days. I'm like, oh, that's, that's perfect. Wow. Okay, cool. I know not every reading is going to be 100 books, but <laughs> that was a good start. And then when the festival was, was successful, then I started going crazy and like looking up every festival and applying to anything and everything. Um, Crafty Bastards is where I met you. Yes, yes. The actually, craft show. The craft show, yeah. It's no longer called Crafty Bastards. It's called... It's called Crafty Arts and Makers Fest, I think. That's it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we met. And that was, um, that was interesting for us. And, and literally everything that we did was kind of one thing was leading to another. Yeah. Um, oh, before you go on, I have to tell listeners. So yes, this is how I met Larry um, at this craft show that almost everyone else was doing horribly at, <laughs> except for you guys. And when I saw your booth, it was, oh my gosh, it was magical. You had... Um, you had framed prints everywhere. You had like wooden cutouts of some of the characters that were painted, I think. You had like a display that had you and Joe, both of your books, just open for anyone to like flip through. It was awesome. And it honestly really inspired me. It really did. And, and you guys seem to be selling, like people were flocking your table and like <laughs> there was like hardly anyone else buying anything at that 
no, not to disparage that show. It's just sometimes that happens. But yeah, you guys did so well. So thank you. Yeah, no, it was fun. I mean, we enjoyed it. I think the attendance wasn't um, it wasn't well attended like other years. I mean, yeah, it was quieter, um, and we were expecting like a larger crowd, but we did have fun overall. Yeah. Okay. Compared to everyone else, you did good. So, <laughs> um, did people say anything about your display? Because I, I just think that that's important for people to, to realize that how you display something and present it can draw people in. Yeah. And actually it was all, it was, this was a trial and error. Again, I didn't really think about what I was going to do when the books arrive. And that's something you should think about for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, so, but you know, that's another, I guess, conversation, but we just started off like literally we had a table with a tablecloth the first event and then we were like okay this needs to improve so uh those shelves we joe actually built them we kind of he designed them and built them himself we were like we need you know shelves that are just for us and light and can you know travel and then we started improving slowly but surely kind of making it better we got the roll-ups and we decided to do limited edition prints of our characters did you find that you sold um you know some of those other products as well as your books or yeah, we did. They, the prints actually sell well, which is... Um, oh, good. Yeah, they sell... I mean, people love them. The characters are just so cute. And it's funny because yeah. I, like, out of all my characters, there's there's nine characters in total. My favorite is the astronaut. I just think <laughs> horrible. And I'm a big, you know, uh, plane freak. So um, just love him. My next book is a sequel to this one. And my next story is actually a story that the characters run out of. Mm-hmm. So the book that you see inside the book, those are real words for my next book. I was, I was wondering about that. Yeah, I, I wondered the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, also, and that's what, you know, I love watching movies second time. You see things you didn't see the first time. Uh-huh. And so I really want the same in the book. Like, you know, so you, you can, now you go back and read the book. You're like, oh, I didn't notice that before, you know, and why not? Like, get people excited about rereading it the same yeah. book and make it, you know, a fun process. Is Emma mm-hmm. also illustrating that one? She is, yeah. So I'm super excited for that one. And, um, yeah, so we're hopefully going to plan a whole bunch of, I don't know, books, sequels to this one. We'll see how it works out. But I'm also starting to work on just completely separate stories, too. Uh, I think a lot of people think of self-publishing and they think about print-on-demand as sort of the, like the, the go-to, easiest, probably cheapest for the moment. But you did not do print-on-demand. You, you had your book printed in China. Um, can I ask how many copies and what, what made you decide to uh, do the production in China? Sure. Just through my experience of being in production as well. Um, well, obviously, if you print larger quantity, your unit price is, is smaller. And also, you're able to control the quantity, uh, the quality of the book. Uh, like if I'm printing in China, I actually went to China and said, Oh, really? Yeah, because I'm, oh, wow. like, I'm very meticulous. So I wanted to be there to make sure I can control the colors and make sure everything was looking perfect before it actually bound into a book. With printing on, um, on demand, you cannot do that. And if, say, you print a book today and you print another one tomorrow, because they're printing different times, you might get a, you know, the colors might not match up perfectly. The quality might be amazing one day and maybe not so much the next day. Whereas if you're printing them all together, the likelihood of things changing, such as color or streaks or anything else, really comes, you know, you diminish that. So um, for me, it really, it wasn't an option. Like I, there was, I was not going to do this book if it was, if it was going to print on demand. Yeah. And how many was that first print run? So actually, I, I did go crazy because I totally believed <laughs> in the book. And uh, I printed 10,000, which is a, a crazy number. 10,000. Yeah. And the way I thought about it is, you know, um, hopefully sell maybe 500 the first year and then up it to 1,000 or 1,500 the second, third, fourth year. So I didn't look at this as like a, you know, a six-month project. I was yeah. looking at this maybe five, maybe 10 years. Um, yeah, that's good. 
to kind of yeah because honestly in that way i don't feel let down if it doesn't if i don't you know yeah if you set your expectations lower you might not feel disappointed <laughs> that you didn't sell and then hey if you sell more then you're going to feel better about it which luckily is what happened to us um, yeah, if your first year your goal was 500 and you sold over 15 yeah by you know, well so to be honest uh the books uh we launched in may of 2019 and um we did a few events in may throughout the summer and then i only started doing events in september and so by christmas we had i had sold 2000 copies wow, oh, wow. that's great so, yeah i think so that was seven in seven months you sold 2000 what is that one fifth of your print run yeah which is it was it still surprises me yeah. but i actually really enjoy going to festivals i love it i yeah. love going to schools and readings and inspiring the kids and just seeing their faces and yeah it's it's so much fun. It's like wow. I, and something I didn't know as well, which is you know good for you, for listeners if they don't know, um, that actually authors get paid to for readings. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I, didn't know. <laughs> I just kind of thought you show up and like you know hopefully you'll sell five ten books. But no, you yeah. actually get paid for it. So if you have no sales and hey you're still you know your time is covered, which is an amazing thing. Like I didn't even think about that. Had I known, I probably would have printed you know not as many copies. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad I did what I did. Um, in my mind, the way um, mass production or print production works as well, you know, you're really adding a, a minimal amount to get like double the quantity. Mm-hmm. So you really have to factor in your unit cost when you add in, say, your editors, designers, illustrators, and production. Production is your biggest cost. Can, can I ask you if you don't mind sharing sort of an estimate of some of those costs just for listeners who are just wondering about how much, you know, yeah, sure. costs. so for a really good editor, I mean, it just depends. They vary. And again, if the prices vary like everything, right? If you're buying clothes, it varies from department store to store. Um, so for editors, I mean, I think it's roughly 300 to a thousand dollars, depending on oh. the editor, depending on the length that you're working with. You mean from like first draft to finished? Or... Um, well, it depends. Sometimes you, a lot of people who are listening are probably authors. Their story is pretty concrete. So that might just be a minimal like editing kind of proofreading, you know, grammatical yeah. check. No matter how good of a writer you are, you have to get an editor look, to look over your work. It, depending on how much work is done, I think that's like the average cost. And then illustration is the second biggest expense, right? If you are the illustrator, that's awesome because you're going to save a massive <laughs> budget. But from my experience, just looking at illustrators, you know, some charge anywhere between, you know, $50 a page to $1,500 a page. So, oh, so most it, people will charge per page, not by how much time, not how many hours? Yeah, that's actually how it works. Mostly it's, so, and actually it varies. So um, usually a spread is cheaper than one page as well because oh. you're doing two pages at the same time. Huh. You know, say, um, say one page is $100. I'm just giving out figures. Okay. Then if you're doing a spread as in like one scene, then maybe the illustrator will charge 175 instead of 200. Uh-huh. But if it was like, you know, page left is one scene, and page right, it's a totally different separate illustration, then you'll be paying probably 200 for a book. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of them charge per page and then per double page spread. And then some charge more for covers, some charge the same. I mean, everyone has their own way. But to be honest, I mean, you should expect somewhere between, I mean, a thousand would be pretty cheap, very, very cheap. But anything between one to five is probably the norm. Hmm. Okay. Um, and then graphic design, which you didn't have to do because you did your own design work. Yeah. And a lot of people love to skip this part. They're like, oh, whatever. I can design myself work. And put <laughs> it's just like, you know, the amount of books I see with like just annoying things like fonts being way too big. The font doesn't have to be font size 30. Like 18 <laughs> is really big. And <laughs> is a big font. But uh, Larry, how, about how much would you say graphic design um, costs generally? 
Oh, that depends too. It uh, depends on different designer. So again, it's all, so it usually goes by page. It could also be the same as an illustrator. So, you know, 50 to $100 a page. And it just depends on what you want your designer to do. So for me as a designer, I'm also art directing at the same time. So some of the projects I'm working with now with, illustri- with new authors who really aren't visual people, um, yeah. I'm helping them be the middleman, the art director between the illustrator and, and them as the author. And the art director kind of guides the graphic designers to kind of get the layouts and everything, you know, get it the way it looks. But a graphic designer will also get your files print ready because a lot of illustrators are not designers. So even though they're creating the illustrations, they may not be using the best typography for the book. And they might not necessarily know about, you know, your gutter space, about the bleeds you need, um, about color conversion. And that's where your graphic designer comes in hand as well, because what they will usually do is not only lay out your book and kind of guide you, um, they will uh, prepare your files so they're print ready. And they'll also kind of, they should usually kind of direct you on your specs. So what kind of paper specs you're looking at, what kind of finishes you want, they will implement all that into the book so that, you know, and kind of guide you through that process, which can be very daunting. Yeah, especially if no one, if someone has not worked with the printer before, a graphic designer would already know. Well, if they worked in print, they would know all that stuff so they could translate it for you and help. Yeah, exactly. It really is about translating. So when, I, when I'm helping now other, these uh, new authors I'm working with, and I'll send them the quote, and I'm like, okay, but here's what it means. And literally break down everything. So this is this cost, this is that cost, this is shipping. But really, when you're adding everything up, like you're adding all these, you know, to your designer, your illustrator. And if, you know, you really kind of want to keep your price point for your book to about maybe $5 or so like overall with everything. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to also think about sales. If you are planning on putting your book into bookstores, you have to think that bookstores take 40 to 60, sometimes even 70% of the profit. So if your book is $20 and the bookstore, let's just make it easy, taking 50%, you know, you're getting $10 from the bookstore for each book you sell. Well, if your book is costing you eight or $9 to make and print, then obviously you're going to run into a loss. Um, so if you say, okay, with everything, my book is going to cost me $5 a unit and you're making $5 from them, you know, that's enough money to kind of cover, you know, pay for another copy, another print run. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to keep these figures in mind because they really are important. And that is also the determining factor of how many books to print. So yeah. production is always your biggest cost and say, you know, printing a thousand books. And I'm talking about hardback books that look phenomenal. You know, it's going to cost you maybe five, $6,000. Um, okay. In, in China, printed in China. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm talking about Chinese prices for now. Um, but so then say, okay, you want to print 2,000 books and that's going to cost you $7,000. So that, you know, difference of $1,900 is going to make a whole world of difference for your income, um, mm-hmm. for your money flow. Yeah. And that's what people don't think. They just think, okay, I'll do 1,000 because I don't know if I can sell them. Well, that's not the way you should think. You think should think, if I make 1,000, am I going to make enough to cover my costs and make enough to pay for the next print run. No, most likely yeah. not. So 2000 really should be the, the smallest number in your head. That's the way I think. But again, it depends on budgets and, and there's different ways of working with budget. If someone's on a budget, what are sort of the things that you would say are essential, you know? Uh, yeah, definitely an editor for sure. hundred percent. I mean, I wouldn't take any shortcuts personally. I would do make the book the best you can because you are going to increase your sales by making it the best, most beautiful book. And then look at ways of raising more capital. So 
Um, you know, GoFundMe is a great thing because what is actually happening is that you're, okay, yes, people are paying into your project, but that's actually pre-sales. So right, yeah. you're raising money and actually pre-selling at the same time, which is pretty amazing. So say you have 300 orders before you go to print. Well, that's phenomenal. Then you maybe can up your print run. Um, so that's a very important factor that a lot of people are, you know, a lot of the authors I talk to have been very successful having their projects funded. Um, if you're too shy or embarrassed or don't know how to go fund me, um, another thing you can really work with is actually sponsorship. Say your um, story only happens in a restaurant and say you decide that this restaurant down the street is maybe they'll sponsor your project. So, <laughs> hey, listen, I have a restaurant. Would you like to be the restaurant that's represented in my book? Then the restaurant might say yes. And what happens is their logo goes on the cover. It says that they're the sponsor of the program. The actual the sponsor will end up getting a handful of books to give out as corporate gifts. Huh. So it's actually for a corporate sponsor, they're actually getting a unique product that's completely their own, right? With their branding and they're paying what, maybe eight, seven, eight dollars per item to give away. I mean, you pay five dollars to get you know your logo on a mug. So right. <laughs> have a book that's completely conceptualized for you. And uh, yeah, corporate sponsorship could be amazing. And it's something a lot of people don't really think about and don't really know about. I hadn't thought make, about that. It totally makes sense though. Yeah. But then you would have to make the book heavily feature the corporate sponsor. So, so yeah, and obviously you kind of decide back and forth, but I mean, you know, what, what happens sometimes the corporate will be ha the sponsor will be happy of having just their logo on the cover and saying hmm. this book was sponsored by, you know, whatever this company. Or on the back cover? <laughs> it really depends on the public. On the yeah. Sponsor. So, you know, that's something that gets negotiated. Yeah. But um, yeah, so basically what they'll do is, you know, so say they're, they're spending $20,000, $30,000, whatever they're spending for everything. And they're, you know, now they have a thousand gifts to give away. They've paid really not much for this item. And, uh, you know, you have this amazing book. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Huh. But you have to think also if you are self-publishing and you do it properly that, you know, if you go through a publisher, you will likely get royalties and I, it just, they vary, right? They vary from, right. I don't know, a few thousand to a lot, depending on how amazing you are. Yes, the publisher will pay for everything. You know, you don't end up spending any money out of your pocket, but you really won't get much back. I mean, I know a few authors, they get like 20 cents per copy sold. Yeah, I know the publisher pay, is paying for everything, but if the book is selling for $20, $25 and you're making 30 cents or a dollar off the book, they really are making a lot of money off of you. Yeah. So that's another thing you want to think about as well. You know, um, when you're deciding self-publishing or traditional publishing. Yeah. You know, we hear from so many people who do print on demand and to hear your reasons why you didn't, you know, it, the more information we have that listeners have to weigh these things is yeah. really important. And there's yeah. a lot. I mean, there's so much information out there. So it really is kind of giving them the overall. But yeah, Edging and I were talking about just the price of on-demand. And I don't want to bash it because it works for some people. I mean, if you have no right. budget, then it's great. But if you yeah. have a budget and you want to kind of, okay, make money and kind of use that money to pay for the next one, which is what we're doing, then it's not the way to go. Yeah. And you're thinking long-term, like the next book, like how will I pay for the next book, which I don't know if that many people are thinking that way either. Well, you should think about, I mean, yeah. why not? Like, well, I just think of one book. So now I'm fortunate enough that, okay, I put the money up front for the first book, but I'm paying for the second one out of the first one. Yeah. Your book has won several awards. Mm -hmm. um, you've won gold awards in the 2019 Moonbeam Children's Book Award, the 2020 Independent Publisher Book Awards, 
and the uh, 2020 IBPA Benjamin Franklin Book Awards. That's, um, that's the Bill Fisher Award, I think that was for that one. Yep, and then you just won, right, yesterday, right? Yesterday, what did you win? What did you win yesterday? We won. Um, grand prize by the purple dragonfly uh, book awards which is congratulations thank yeah you so congratulations much. thank you so much so we, we actually got gold like first place in five different categories but then yeah. on top of that we got the wow. grand prize of like the whole thing which is really just blown my mind um, yeah, that's great like what i did with well actually my friend joe was like your book's awesome man just send it in to moonbeam we got the email and literally, like last last day to apply or something. <laughs> like, just send it in. It's like I'm gonna send mine in. You send yours in. I'm like, you know what? Whatever. I'm just gonna do it. So I just sent it in. And then, I think it was like a month and a half later. They're like, I get an email saying, oh, the, the results have been announced. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, oh, let me go check. I'm like, gold, the best picture book, gold. Is this happening? And I called Joe. He's like, oh man, I forgot to send mine in. So thank you. Look what happened. So he's like, "Oh, okay, I'll apply next year." Um, I was so excited. I was just blown away. And then there wow. was there was a big, um, like a reception in in Traverse City, Michigan. That's where they're based. And so they're like, "You know what? Come up and accept the award." I'm like, "Yes, for sure." Because not only is the award, I mean, they, they advertise, they publish it, they they do a press release. But I was like, just being there, all these other art um, authors, illustrators, I'm going to meet really was about the networking and I met so many authors and illustrators I'm actually working with four of the people I met there wow oh that's so cool yeah so it was so much fun and I'm really close to a few of them now I talk to them like we message all the time <laughs> um and it really was and a lot of them are in the same boat as me I mean some of them, some are new authors some have, have books you know books that have been out there for a while we give each other advice like how was this event or how do you think we get into the stores we kind of like are a mm -hmm. group that we just kind of and it's it's fun um, so because of the amount of exposure I got from that one, I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to apply to a bunch more. And then a few months later, a, a lot more came in. I'm like, okay, well, this book is actually a good book. That's great. Wow. So it's, um, I wasn't looking for justification, but I mean, it really is very humbling to know that other people recognize your book and, and especially it being the first book. Um, cause there was a lot of self doubt for sure. <laughs> we really? Larry, you before you came on before you came on we were actually talking about self-doubt yeah. and the lack of basically approval by gatekeepers mm -hmm. and how that can kind of get to you a little bit because there's that question of am i doing this well is this part right that's absolutely it. and i went through all of that for sure is there anything one lesson that you've learned along your journey that you wish you would have known at the beginning that you could maybe share or tell someone that's earlier in their journey so that they can learn from, from you? To be honest, this is something that I knew, but um, I really wish distribution was easier. It is very hard to get your books into the big, like Barnes and Nobles and those, you know, the big stores. It's very difficult to find a distributor. I definitely should have spent more time preparing. Like I should have thought, okay, I'll deal with sales when the book comes. That's something I should not have done because had I had spent more time preparing, um, you know, maybe I would have had time, uh, more time to do events and, and, and running around, you know, making sales when the book was here instead of figuring out sales time, using sales time to figure out what, how to get the book into places and, and sending out for reviews. So, um, but did your um, awards that you won, did those help you place your books in, in libraries, bookstores? So the awards uh, definitely helped boost sales because there was an increase in sales, especially on Amazon. Um, actually, okay, from people who found out about the award. So these are awards that people know about as well. Like I, I've known about Moonbeam for a long time. 
IDPA. These are books that I've seen. I was like, well, if I ever write a book, I want to apply to these awards. And a lot of people, librarians and apparently, you know, some teachers and stuff, they follow them and they kind of listen, respond to them in terms of, okay, I want to see, check that book out. The, the Moonbeam one is, was also tied into a children's book festival on the same day. So I was, got to be part of that book festival and sold a decent amount of books and met a lot of people. But I really did, I wish I spent more time um, figuring that part out beforehand. And also, um, I kind of went to the indie bookstores around my area. And I was always telling everyone I'm a self-publisher, I'm a self-publisher. Well, then I started switching and saying I'm an indie publisher. And automatically, the response was like, okay, cool. You know, where if you say self-published, everyone's like, oh, it's going to be crap. Wow, so that's I good walked, to know. I walked into the bookstore, local bookstore here, like the closest one to my house. And I was so nervous because I was like the first time ever with my, and I only had the, I had the, uh, the, the sample copy from the printers. I didn't have, they were still arriving my books. So I walked in and the lady, the owner was there and she just looked at me like, uh, hi, do you guys replace books from, you know, self-publishers? She's like, no, we don't. I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> is that your book? Or And I was holding up like, so she could see it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is my book. She was like, I'll take a look at it. And I gave it to her and she started flicking through it and she started smiling. I was like, oh, she's smiling. That's great. She started laughing. Like, you know what? This is a really good book. I will buy five. And I was like, no way. Thank you so much. So I had five books sold before the books got here. I was so ecstatic. But I'm like, if every time I walk into the bookstore, I'm going to be that nervous. You know, I was like, I can't do this. This is crazy. <laughs> so that's something that, um, yeah, you kind of need to, I would use the word indie publisher. Don't like self-publishing, as most people say, is negative. And at the same right. time, you should not be doing it by yourself as well. So yeah, it totally makes sense. And then kind of think about, you know, your imprint name. That's something you should think about as well. Um, not just like, okay, I'm just going to call it something random. Because, well, hey, if this works out for you then, and you have a good name, then you've already started your brand. Instead of thinking, oh, I wish I thought about a name before and I'm going to rename my book. Yeah. You know, it's going to be published by this instead of like whatever you didn't want to call, call and, it. And you're calling your imprint Calamus. Calamus, yeah. And Calamus are the old reed pens that, you know. The what? Mm -hmm. The papyrus pens that were oh yeah they're, they're, they spell it with a c i really was wondering how the indie awards actually help like besides networking do they actually help you place your books in stores like do they give you more That's credibility a great question. actually um yeah just yesterday as well i got an email from a distributor saying hey congrats on your award um are you interested in distribution which oh, is wow. excellent so i'm going to call them on monday and say hey um you know what can you offer and stuff because i've only approached one um, in the like a uh, distributor and they they said based the response i got was you know we we are looking for more titles from publishers we don't take publishers with one title oh mm. so i was like so okay, that's well, a barrier if, yeah that was a barrier and this is a barrier this is the same with ingram spark i found that they want more when i i called them up and they're really nice they're like listen we want more titles from a publisher but here are some other distributors that work with like one-off books and so, and I had not won any awards at this point. And I wrote to this, you know, I wrote to say, hey, this is my book. And I was like, they're like, well, tell us what makes it special. I'm like, oh, librarians love it. And kids, you know? <laughs> so they're like, thanks, but you know, we're not interested. And they didn't see the book. Their response was no. Just yesterday, this distributor got in touch and said, we saw your award and would you be interested in distribution? Wow. So if this works right. out, that's like a massive leap for us. Awesome. Um, and, 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 and again, this award I won, when was it? I think it was awarded in, was it April or May? 
So this is like, you know, this happened a few months ago and the repercussions of things kind of just keeps, you know, things don't happen right away with publishing as well. And that's something that people should know. It's not like, oh, my book will arrive today. I'll sell them all. No, you'll leave it for some time. There'll be months where there's no sales. There'll be months where there's a lot of sales. And you just kind of have to go with the flow and figure it out. Can you describe a moment um, or experience that has made self-publishing all worth it to you? Um, definitely seeing the, the gratitude on, on kids and teachers' faces. I mean, it's so rewarding to go into a classroom, talk to them, have them inspired. Um, you, sometimes after a class, the teacher will follow up with an email saying, look, all these books these kids have made. And, and uh, you're my favorite author. They write letters saying, you're my favorite author. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, it's so cute. And to think that I had no idea what I was doing in terms of like, okay, design production I did, but like as becoming an, you know, an indie author publisher, I was just like, uh, I don't know if I'm doing this right or I don't know if I'm doing it good enough. And the fact that, you know, you can do a project like a book and just have all these people respond to it is just, yeah, it, it's just such, a, it makes me feel amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Larry. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. you're just so full of great information. Thank you. And I'm again, happy to help. So if anyone has any questions, they can always reach out through email or Instagram and, um, you know, you can make your book come true. Yeah. Yes. Where can people find you? Yeah, so um, you, my email is just my first name and last name. It's L-A-R-R-Y-I-S-S-A at gmail.com. And I'm happy to answer any questions you know, people have and come, even if they want guidance and what to do, we're kind of are ready to get their book done, take them through the steps. And also on Instagram, um, it's larry.is.a. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for yeah, having me. Yeah, thank you. Look forward to seeing what you do next. Well, I think that was really fun. Yeah, it was. Eric, awesome. He gave us a ton to think about. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I don't even know where to go from here. What's on your um, mind, Phil? Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to ask you. You know, it's funny. He's talking a lot about printing and design and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that I'm also bringing away from this is the way that he really sold so many copies just through festivals. Like mm-hmm. festivals yeah. that weren't even book festivals, they were just know. local community <laughs> festivals, like cooking or food festivals yeah. or whatever. Um, so it's something to kind of start thinking about. And it was also interesting how he said that he wished he would have started thinking about this stuff while he was working on the book rather than after the book was out and in his hands and then thinking, okay, how am I going to market this? Yeah, that was, that was interesting. Um, it it kind of makes sense because cause I do a lot of craft shows and sometimes when there's something unusual that you don't normally see at that kind of show, it really does stand out. So that that could be like a tactic um, of getting it in front of people's eyes. Yeah, so there's so many things um, I'm thinking of. And one of them was how Larry said that he thinks of the book, every part of it is important, like including the typography um just as important as like the writing and which is interesting to think about you know each each element um having just as much weight i think most people think of either the writing or the illustration uh but not really the whole the whole package and then the other thing i thought was really interesting because i I could tell from Larry's book, looking at it, like he's a perfectionist and he really pays attention to details, but seeing that he had a lot of doubts and even people telling him 
not to not to do the project. Right. I found that very surprising because the book looks so confident in itself, you know. Sure. Um, and he, I thought he would be really confident the whole way through, but everyone has doubts. I mean, and even traditionally published people have doubts, and mm-hmm. even publishers have doubts. Like <laughs> we all have doubts, but we kind of have to push through and um, just decide. You know, this is important. And we're just going to do it. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Wow. All right. Well, I have a lot to digest now. Mentally. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Thanks for joining us or me. Well, thanks for being here again <laughs> with me. Thanks for, for being conversation. with me. Yeah. Um, and I'll see you again in two weeks. Yes. Oh, and yep. I was going to say for, for listeners, um, feel free to contact us as always at picturebookpath at gmail.com. We're open to suggestions for topics and guests and all that sort of stuff. Yes. We are. Thanks, Thanks, Phil. Picture Book Path is hosted by Ijun Kim and Philip Hilliker. We can be reached at picturebookpath at gmail.com. Our music is by scottholmesmusic.com.